Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of the week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine, and with me today is... Retired Lieutenant Frank Borelli, happy to be alive and enjoying the beautiful weather switching from spring to summer. Sounds good. Same here. It's beautiful out here outside of Chicago. Um, We're going to get started. We've got a lot of stories to cover. Um, Let's start with the first one. Uh, This week, FBI released uh, its numbers and statistics on line of duty deaths for 2022. Um, Good news is that they were down by 18% from the previous year. Bad news, however, is the number of officers killed by criminal actions last year was higher than it was five and 10 years ago, according to the FBI. Um, You know, it's that again, it's that good news, bad news. It's great to see that line of duty deaths were down as a whole. But again, that um, there is a large concern with ambushes. Um, and simply uh, offenders um, having no disregard or having having no regard for officers' lives and just opening fire whenever they feel like it. You know, it's not even that they have no regard for the officers' lives. It's that they are intentionally being empowered or feeling empowered to go and take officers' lives. Um, and I'm not sure if they understand the reality of that. But so let's be clear. We're talking about 2022 line of, of duty deaths dropped 18 percent, according to the FBI. I can't help but think that that's uh, in some way related to the fact that we attributed so many line of duty deaths to COVID in 21. So we have officers, we have we have LODDs going down in 22. But the instance of COVID caused death, a related line of duty death, was way, way down. So Mm -hmm. when we look at it, we have a net increase in 2022 of line of duty deaths related to the criminal actions of offenders. Now, uh, when you look at this one statistic that really bothers me, um, 60 officers killed by criminal action in 2022 compared to 27 in 2013, so 10 years ago. Um. What, we have to wonder what's going on with society that these criminals feel that it's okay to attack officers, whether it's ambush, whether it's resisting arrest, whatever it is. Um, and and they they have such disrespect and such hate for law enforcement that they feel empowered and and they feel morally okay with attacking officers and taking lives. I know I harp on it a lot, but I have to feel like. Politicians, some of them, and mainstream media, many of them, are responsible for convincing segments of society that police officers are the enemy, uh, and therefore, you know, what do you do with your enemy? You fight your enemy. You attack your enemy. I, I It's very concerning, and I hate to see how this is going to go in 2023, Joe. And, and I think, too, I, I look at it as well as just criminals now having – no regard for human life period um i I, you're seeing so many instances of what are in some cases start out as petty crimes turning into homicides uh simply because a person feels like they can uh 
just start a shooting gallery. And, um, and unfortunately, um, law enforcement is suffering the brunt of this because they're at the front lines. Oh, yeah. And, and the number of people who get offended uh, by anybody telling them they're, they're wrong or they can't do something they want to do. And let's be honest, that's what law enforcement's out there. We're out there enforcing the law. So when we tell somebody, hey, you can't do that. And then these people who feel like they they should be able to do anything they want to do because that's what they've been told their entire lives. You know, it's, it's funny. I just saw a meme on Facebook and I guess we can move to the next article. But the meme mm-hmm. said, you know, something about, um, you know, don't complain about how the police treat your child. You had 18 years to teach your child not to be a jerk, not to break the law, to be respectful, uh, you know, it, and oh my God, are we not seeing the results of now probably two generations of people raising their children saying, don't anybody ever let you tell you do what you're wrong. You do what you want. You know, it's live your best life. You only live once and screw the law. And aren't we seeing the impact of that now? Anyway. On to our next story. And while it is not a line of duty death, uh, it, it is tragic nonetheless. Um off of her shift um, from the Chicago Police Department, Officer Ariana Preston was heading home, and as she reached her front lawn, uh, she was attacked in uh, an apparent robbery attempt by four teens who then shot her multiple times um, as she lay on the ground. Um Again, here is just uh, an example of what I was saying. A robbery that, uh, an instance, uh, a crime that starts out as a robbery turns into a homicide. And at the time, True Preston was still in her Chicago police uniform uh, when she was killed. Um, it, this is just a, a such a sad story. She was uh, set to graduate um, with... Uh, Let's see her master's. I believe this weekend. Um, it uh, again, just just very tragic. It, you know, I'm sorry. It goes beyond tragic. Absolutely, it's tragic. But we have four teenagers, and we say teenagers. Everybody thinks 13, 14, 15. No, these people were youngest was 16, oldest was 19. Once you hit, so three of them were adults, 18, 19, and 19. Um. I, I know that she was not on duty, so it's considered off duty, but she was in full uniform and she still had arrest authority where she was. So I say every cop's on duty 24 seven. We, we understand, we learned this in the Academy. You're never off duty. That's why we sit the way we sit in restaurants and we carry guns when we go on vacation and we do all this stuff. We're always on duty. She was still an on duty police officer in my book. She gets robbed. And I, I wish you could see the air quotes robbed. When four teenagers walk up to a uniformed officer and present guns, this is not a robbery attempt. This is, at best, a homicide attempt, and at worst, a successful homicide, which is what happened. They Robbing, robbing her was an excuse. These four little idiots, these chuckleheads, just decided they were going to take out a cop. And I'm sorry she was the one. It is absolutely tragic. Um, any loss is felt by everybody in the thin blue line. But I really wish that the that the the media would do a better job of reporting this. And and thank God we can do these these uh, lineup podcasts, Joe. Um, I don't speak for all law enforcement, but I know a lot of officers out there feel the way I do. This officer should not not have been. Uh, she should not have lost her life. She should be still living large, graduating with her master's, um, and and enjoying life when she's off duty, doing the job when she's on. These four idiots. 
well, I won't talk about the death penalty and how in favor I am of it, but uh, also, since everybody seems to like hate crimes, let's charge a four of them with a hate crime because they targeted a cop. On to the next story. Um, this past weekend in Allen, Texas, um, uh, a gunman opened fire at an outlet mall. Um, again, another mass shooting um and but it, in this case we've got the heroic actions of an allen police officer to thank for it being less tragic than it already is um he was responding to an unrelated call at the time at the mall heard gunshots immediately ran to uh, the danger opened fire and took down the gunman. Um, the uh, police had released uh, the radio call uh, that he made to 911 or to dispatch, uh, telling, informing them of what was going on and saying, I need everybody I got down here. Um, at the time, uh, police didn't know if uh, there was just a single shooter. Um, this was a large, mall area outdoors um you know very hard um to control that area as the shooting is happening especially with all the people at the time and this officer bravely put his life in danger and saved so many lives well and i'm not going to tell I, I am i am going to too darn that's what cops do so you know, we've seen instances in the past, and, and people are rightfully critical of it, where a shooting occurs or an active shooter is going on, and the police officer, the first one he gets there, sits and waits, and he doesn't take immediate action, and more people die. And we rightfully criticize that. Now, here's an officer, and I wish we had his name, but it's not available to us in the article we're discussing. Um, you know, he's responding, hears the shots, and goes about his business. Does he want everybody that's available? Heck Yeah. Think about it. If you were going to a gunfight tomorrow, would you show up just yourself with a gun to fight another guy with a gun? Because if you would, you're an idiot. If I'm going to a gunfight tomorrow, I'm bringing every friend I got. Somebody's going to have a belt-fed machine gun. I don't plan to lose. Um, this guy goes constantly moving to the sound of shots, constantly updating the dispatch and you know working on the radio. Um, dispatchers, you know, being calm and, and answering back. Uh, you know. It's all all loss of human life in my mind is tragic. But when you have a shooter and, and you know, the goal is not to arrest, the goal is to stop the threat as quickly as possible. And in this case, the shooter gets neutralized uh, within three or four minutes of the first shot. Now, this could be a lot worse. All right. We've had active shooters where the shooter uh, injured or killed a person every 10 seconds. So when you think about three minutes is 180 seconds, that could have been 18 people or more uh, injured or killed. Um, but a three to four minute time from first shots to neutralization of the shooter is phenomenal time. It sucks there's still eight people killed, don't get me wrong, seven more wounded, but it could have been so much worse. I, my, my hat tip to the officer who responded. One thing I want to bring up, we're talking about, uh, you know, down in Texas, different parts of Texas, uh, much higher incidence of legally armed good guy citizens and law enforcement officers um, need to be aware of and in some cases embrace the reality that 
they might come across a legally armed good guy citizen um, in one in, in or near one of these active shooter events. And we don't want to shoot the good guys. And it's, it's going to take some training and it's going to take some policy. And uh, it's one of the things we're working on as, as a course for that. Um, but if we're not using the good guys as best we can, then we're doing ourselves a disservice too. But anyway. You had mentioned um, the name of the officer hadn't been released. Uh, an attorney representing him uh, was talking about how he's doing well, at, but he's processing the tragedy. And and I, I think that's a, a, a point to make is the effects that these incidents have on the officers. Um, they, they don't go unscathed. And uh, especially on something as as high profile as this, I'm I'm sure there's a lot that that he's going through right now. Oh yeah, I mean, he may not have been physically injured, but the emotional and mental trauma is still there, and hopefully he recovers from it without an issue. But taking a human life, um, even if it's justified and and morally the right thing to do, especially if you're raised in a Judeo Christian family. Uh, you're taught all your life, thou shalt not kill. It's the sixth commandment. Um, and, and and he has to come to terms with that. And and it's going to be an emotional juggling act for him. I, I hope his agency supports him properly. I hope his support structure, his family and friends, uh, whatever faith he has, all support him properly and offer him, um, I don't want to say consolation, but the, the reassurance that his actions were right and justified. And, and he needs to move on and continue to do the job and, and, and honor his oath. And I, I don't doubt for a second that he will. On to our next story. Uh, another one uh, that uh, spotlights heroic actions by officers. Um, this from Oklahoma, where uh, um, uh, Salisaw, uh, two Salisaw police officers um, were alerted that a police chase was heading to uh, an outdoor festival event that uh, they were covering. And um, as the vehicle was approaching crowds, uh, the officers made the decision to ram the vehicle head on in order to stop it, to prevent it from plowing through people. Um, it, the video uh, that was captured from a security a surveillance camera, a street camera at the time, shows uh, the violent crash. And uh, both officers suffered minor injuries in this, and the suspect was arrested. But uh, again, talk about throwing yourself right into the line of danger. Here is you're you're preventing you're trying to prevent the loss of life. And the only way you can do that is by putting your own life in the line. Um, um, and that's got to be scary, too. I've been in a few car accidents and you, you, you've, you've got that sort of like half second that lasts for an eternity as you see that object or that vehicle that you're you're heading into. And um, even if you're prepared for it and even if you might have been instigating it. It's still, you don't, you know, you're hoping that you're going to get through it on the other side. I, I do you one better. Mm -hmm. Officer McGirt, and, and bless both these guys, an absolutely heroic thing to do. But when you wreck a police vehicle, the administrative repercussions can almost be worse than the physical. 
Um, so it, the other thing we need to remember, and something I love about this, is that use of force to save lives is one of the most honorable things we do. Um, you know, we, we've been raised in a society today where self-defense is almost criticized, you know, with zero tolerance in schools and the bully comes over and pushes you and you're not, you, you tell the teacher, you're not supposed to defend yourself. Defending somebody else is even better than defending yourself. And here's these two people, this captain and this officer, who accept the risk and use one of their tools, the police car, to stop a threat to all these people. Now, the, from what the article, that the captain's wrist got broken in the accident and the officer suffered bruises and cuts. They gladly accepted it to save lives. Uh, a hat tip to these guys. I love the thinking. I love the creativity. Um, I, I hope, you know, that the insurance company doesn't decide to raise their rates, uh, you know, because they, they wrecked a car. Um, it, this is it's a perfect example of officers putting themselves at risk to save citizens. And I, I hope the community appreciates those two guys. I really do. Yeah, and just the the split second decisions of deciding, hey, this is this is the course of action we need to take as this is all unfolding. Um, again, you know, yeah, hats off to them. Um, apparently, this is a very uh, southwestern centric uh, edition of the lineup because we're going to go back to Texas, um, Clarksville, <laughs> Texas. In this case, uh, is no longer has a police department. Um, a few weeks ago, two officers were fired for what the mayor says was insubordination. Um, following those firings, the remaining uh, three officers, uh, along with the police chief, uh, quit. And the town no longer has a, a police department. Uh, it's being uh, served by uh, the Red River County Sheriff's Office in the time being. I believe this week they were uh, looking at uh, applications and hope to have uh, the new police department up and running uh, within a month. Um, you know, I, you got to read between the lines on this one. Okay. So mm -hmm. uh, two and bearing in mind, we're talking about Clarksville police department only had five officers. Okay. So it's a small agency serving a, a relatively small community. And when you have two officers fired for insubordination, and as a result of that, even the police chief resigns, this was not insubordination within the ranks towards the command staff of the police department. This was insubordination to some politician. Now, keep in mind, politics does not have any business in law enforcement. In these little towns, and I've worked for my share of them, the mayor gets chest all puffed up and I'm the mayor and I'm the boss and I run everything and we're going to do it my way. And if you say no, it's insubordinate. And in a lot of places, they just fire you for that. Um, when you have the whole police department leave, the other three guys all say, nope, we're out. Good luck. See ya. Um, the part that makes me giggle, the part that I really have to enjoy is that the Red River County Sheriff's Office is providing service. And if they're not doing it the way that little city wants it done, Clarksville mayor or the way the way Clarksville's mayor wants it done. If the county sheriff's office isn't doing it that way, she can't do diddly squat because the sheriff's elected by the whole county and he can tell her to go pound sand. Um, it's sad to see this. It'll be interesting to see when they start their quote unquote new agency who they hire. And, and uh, I mean, it, this won't be national news in a week. What we won't hear anything more about it, but 
this is sad to see. This is what happens when, and I know of another agency where, you know, one of the board of county commissioners or city commissioners, the city council has a friend on the police department and the friend complains, well, I'm, I'm not getting enough training time or I'm not being promoted fast enough or whatever. And then the next thing you know, the city council members in the chief's office going, hey, you need to take care of this guy or else. And the chief's going, there's a process. There's a way we do this. You're not part of his chain of command. You don't do his evaluations. You don't promote him. You don't do this. You don't do that. And then the city council targets the chief because he's not a yes man. There is no room for politics and law enforcement. It has to be fair and impartial. Justice is supposed to be blind. And how we run our agencies has to be just the same way. And you're right. Uh, as far as this happening in in these small towns, I believe just last year there was a similar type of situation in, in, in a police department in a small town in Indiana where uh, clashes with local politicians uh, ended up having the whole department uh, uh, quitting. Uh, again, these are smaller departments, but um, yeah, it, it's still not uh not something i'm sure the residents want to hear no i um, mean because then nobody's providing the services to the right. residents that they need we're, we're just all you know throwing everybody in, out of our sandbox because we're not happy with the way they're playing anyway on to our final story um in vallejo california um a man who is carrying a knife and uh what turned out to be a replica uh firearm uh Went into the police station, asked to speak with an officer, um, and while he was waiting, decided to uh, light up and smoke some methamphetamine. Uh, he was quickly asked to stop and then tackled to the ground and arrested. Um, I, I I don't even know where to start with this one. Well, I'm I'm going to go out of the, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this was an attempted suicide by cop. So you have a guy, I mean, take, take the meth out of the picture. That's, that's just proof that he's not in his right mind. But you've got a guy, and they say armed with a fixed blade knife. So is that on his belt or is that in his hand? Armed with, to me, means he's not carrying it in his hand. So it's not an immediate threat. He's still armed, don't get me wrong. Replica weapon tucked into his waistband. You got a, a, a it could be a black plastic water gun stuck in your waistband and i don't know if it's a real gun or a fake gun till you pull it out and point it at me and then it's too late for me to respond so this guy goes into a police department with a knife and a gun how he presents himself and then he's being even more aggressive he's going to smoke some meth he's hoping somebody shoots him this is an attempted cop by suicide that didn't go his way now i tip my hat to the officer who tackled him because I think my response would have been stay far enough away to taser him several times, maybe. I don't you know, whatever it takes, um, until we get him handcuffed. This, uh, Yeah, I mean, that's my take on this. It, you you got to be all kinds of stupid to walk into a police department with two weapons. Um, I, I am really surprised he was not exposed to some other use of force besides somebody tackling him. And but on the one hand, I tip my hat to the officer who tackled him. On the other hand, I'm thinking, why would you get that close to a guy with a knife and, and a gun you don't know is fake? Why not just tase the dude and handcuff him while he's taking the ride? But I wasn't there, and I'm not being critical. Um, they got the job done. Dude didn't die that day. He's going to get clean. He's not going to be on smoking meth while he's in the prison system, hopefully. And uh, 
people will move on. Oh, you're right too. It is just uh, last year, uh, a man walked into a police, the lobby of a police station in Wisconsin and opened fire at the front desk. Um, it actually, uh, then at that department uh, decided they needed to put bulletproof glass um, up in that area. But uh, I mean, that is a scary situation of, of someone walking in to uh, the station and having a weapon and not knowing what they're going to do. And yes, that's, I mean, you know, we have, thing, a, we have, ahead. sorry to interrupt you. We have a big push no. right now for our stations to be more open, inviting to the public that we serve. And on the one hand, I get that, but all, that has to be balanced against opening, inviting to the violent criminals that want to come in and target us. It's how we started this podcast. Look how many cops are being killed by people who have no respect for the sanctity of life and they hate cops. We we have to find that balance and we have to protect our officers in our own house. So. Right. And, and that and and because you're also potentially endangering um, those same citizens, you're you're hoping to create a more inviting environment for um, yep. if they're not uh, safe inside of it. Right. Um that is all for this week. Um, I, I I know we both want to say too, uh, as we head into uh, National Police Week, you know, a, a time to um, remember and really thank um, the service for the service of those who have fallen in the line of duty. Um, and uh, you know, this upcoming week, there um, there will be national events. Uh, honoring those those officers and um, agents who uh, have died over the years. Sunday's Mother's Day. I want to um, say happy Mother's Day to everybody, every, every mom who listens to our show, whether they're sworn or not, and give my special condolences to every mother who might listen to the show who's lost a loved one in the line of duty, whether it's a spouse or a son or a daughter. Um, it's always seemed ironic to me that National Police Week tends to seem to start on Mother's Day, and they're the ones, as much as mothers love their children, their, their husbands, uh, they suffer so much if, if they lose a loved one in the line of duty. So happy Mother's Day to them, and our most sincere condolences if they happen to fall into that category. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Please tune in again next week, and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.